0: All right. Good morning. Uh, as you mentioned, my name is Chris Washington. I, um, my wife and I, Amy and myself, along with Jenna Shotwell and Kelly Clark, we teach the seniors. And then next year, Lord willing, we will go back and uh, teach juniors. So if your kid will be a junior next year, we would have the opportunity to teach them and we, and we stay with them for a couple years. Um, we've been doing this this way for a few years, uh, primarily because Amy and I and really all of us really have a heart kind of a weight on us to really be with teenagers in those transition years. Uh, Believe that the enemy especially attacks as teenagers start to get their freedom around 15, 16, and then ultimately, you know, freedom to drive, and then freedom to live on their own, Uh, and just both from our personal experiences uh, and from friends we know, that's a time when the enemy uh, really makes some, unfortunately, some victories in distracting and deceiving. And So one of the things we try, I guess it keeps us really uh, engaged in these 11th and 12th graders is we want to be standing there to try and help uh, bring wisdom, bring keep them grounded in what the Lord has to say through his word as they go through that time so they can defend against that. Uh, and so this series, when Brett brought it up, I guess in January, he he mentioned to the youth ministry team that we would be talking about sex and, and there's chuckles and so forth and like, all right, good. And, and he made a statement that really stuck with me. He said, uh, you know, and he probably said this to you last week, but I'll repeat it in case anyone's new. He said, everybody talks about sex. I mean, songs talk about it. Movies. I'm watching a football game on a Sunday afternoon with my kids, and there's a Viagra commercial, and it's not obscure, right? It's very in your face. I mean, sex is something that's very present uh, in our society everywhere, and he said the church is largely silent on that, and that's a it's exactly what the enemy would have is for us to be silent on it. And really the goal, he said, of this four-part series is going to be to begin a conversation from the way God designed sex and sh- sexuality. Uh, there's no way we can complete it. There's no way we can compete with the amount of time and different ways that messages are coming to us and our, our teenagers, but that hopefully this series could be a start and a start to make sure that our, our, our teenagers, our youth are getting a bi- biblical information Not just all the information that's coming from literally billions and billions of dollars being invested uh, in whether it's to sell music, to sell movies, right, to sell uh, drugs or whatever it is. Uh, And so last week he talked about uh, the why behind sex. Said you know talked about God's design. I loved his analogy for it. Uh, He said it was nuclear, and I think it's a perfect analogy. You know nuclear power or nuclear reactions are really the the most powerful. If there's any scientists in here? Don't correct me, but I think they're the most powerful thing on earth. Uh, and when they are, uh, when they're in the right use case in a power plant in a reactor, they could do great good. But you take those same reactions, you take them outside of where they were designed to occur, and they become the most devastating thing. And so he he talked about sex. It was designed by God to be this very powerful. Gift that's used as part of his plan of how we leave our parents and we go and start our own families. But as sin always does, it comes in and takes what God designed for good and distorts it for evil. And so, the end takeaway from that, just to catch you up in case you're you're new back here, his end takeaway was draw the line. And what I really liked, I didn't hear it Sunday, but I heard it Wednesday at Collide. And what was encouraging to me is it wasn't a bunch of no's and don'ts and don't do this. It was a God designed sex for this and do it this way. The analogy I would use uh, that I'll use Wednesday when I'm recapping is um, it, it'd be the equivalent of someone handing you a big uh, package of fireworks. And it's not saying don't light the fireworks. They're just saying don't look down the tube after you light the fuse, right? And so he was basically giving instructions as the way he was trying to present it to our, our kids, saying it's a good thing. It's gonna be awesome when it, when it when it works, but use it in the right way. And then he went from there and basically said, so draw the line. And, and he gave some, it wasn't specific, he didn't say, all right, first base is good, second base is bad, right? He, but he said, he said, look, anything that is going to draw you towards sexual arousal or temptation into sexual activity should stop that. Anything you wouldn't want someone doing with your fu- uh, future wife or husband, that should, be, that should be clear. Anything that would be shameful if your mom or your grandma walked in the living room and you were doing with your boyfriend or girlfriend, should tell you something, right? And he used some scripture to back that up. And he really left it then with saying, hey, let's talk about it. You should absolutely be talking about sex with a boyfriend or a girlfriend you, from a biblical perspective. And I, and I was like, wow, okay, that, that made a lot of sense. He said, you should talk about, hey, these are our boundaries because we both love the Lord, right? And we, and we don't want to live outside of his boundaries. And so that was kind of a recap for part one, for those of you who weren't there, at least the way I heard it on Wednesday. Uh, and so today, uh, Brett is actually, <laughs> he, uh, he's going to be flying out Wednesday. He's here today. And so he asked, hey, would you, you want to speak? I was like, hey, it's the, the sex series, right? He's like, "Yep, yeah, it is. I was like, well, what topic is it? And he said, well, it's pornography. I'm like, all right, let's jump into this one. And so uh, I, to be honest, when he first told it to me, I was like, you, did you check with Jimmy? Did you check? <laughs> I was like, man, I don't know. That seems like you need a professional uh, and he actually did, and they weren't available, so he came to me, <laughs> and uh, so I'm what, what, what we got, but I, I will say this, uh, since finding out about this, um, it's been a blessing, as these things always are, it's been a blessing to me, uh, because um, it's a lot of pressure, or a lot of weight, I should say, right, God's gonna do what God's gonna do, it's nothing I do, but there's, there's a lot of just kind of a heaviness to it. And, uh, and so, as i prepared, man, it's been a blessing. I'm excited to share with you what I believe God's put on my heart uh, and Brett's. We've met several times as we prepared for this. Uh, and what I'm going to do today is I'm going to present it to you, really from this point on, um, talking like I intend to talk on Wednesday. Because other times when I've had the privilege of speaking in here, I, I've uh, spoke because I know I'm speaking to fellow parents of teens and kind of changed the way I talk. Uh, I'm going to do the best that I can to talk the way we will on Wednesday because I want you guys to to hear exactly what your teenagers would be hearing on Wednesday, because that's part of the purpose of this, this uh, series. Um, the way we're doing it, is because of the sensitive nature there. All right, so when I say some of these things, just remember, pretend you're your kid, and, and, uh, and then hopefully with that, uh, we'll all be informed to be able to have con- continue to have conversations about this as we move forward. All right, so I think I'm in the wrong spot here. I am. Let me back up. Uh, so does anybody know what Monday is? Monday, it is uh, VE Day, or Victory in Europe Day. And so I didn't know this until I, I was uh, studying this, but as I was Googling uh, on Monday, May 8th, is the day in 1945 that uh, officially uh, Nazi Germany surrendered. Uh, and a few, year, a few months later, I guess, was when World War II in, uh, ended in September when Japan surrendered. But I thought it was interesting, uh, or because if you think about what happened in the aftermath of the surrender, and really in the months leading up to the surrender, is that the world discovered um, devastating acts, horrible, inhumane acts that had been executed by the Nazis during this time. Uh, the stats, and I wasn't, it wasn't as familiar with me, I knew it was terrible, there it was six million Jews, right? And there was a percentage of those that were non-Jews, but also uh, folks that were exterminated, tortured, experimented on, and killed based on their ethnicity or a disability. Put that in perspective, right, that was two-thirds of the Jewish nation, Jewish population. So, I mean, the numbers are different, but imagine if two-thirds of the Caucasians in America or two-thirds of the Hispanic race was wiped out. Or to put it another way, imagine if the entire metro area of Houston or the DFW Metroplex were just wiped out because their population currently is around 6 million, right? So this was a, a huge event. And it happened uh, throughout the country of Germany and in the occupied countries after they, they uh, took over those. And so how did something like this happen? Were all of these people literally united behind Nazi Germany and saying those people are wrong, we must kill and torture and, and exterminate these people from the face of the earth? Well, I did some digging into that, and... Um, Adolf Hitler, you know, he was, uh, you guys have studied him, he was said to be a pretty awkward person, but he was gifted in speaking. Uh, he was a powerful speaker, and he could draw people to follow him. And in one paper I read about his rise to power, it basically said that all the while, he and his party, eventually the Nazi party, as they were they were clawing their way to dictatorship uh, through violence and through uh, conspiracy, outside what was portrayed to the rest of the German population, was basically an image of Adolf Hitler that made him somewhat of a celebrity to the people. So behind the scenes, he's, he's, uh, maneuvering and he's, uh, executing acts of violence to get to this ultimate level of dictatorship. But out front there's, they're showing pictures of him playing with dogs, kids. It's got a nice fruit spread on its table. It was actually this picture that you look at it and you could see, yeah, it looks like, uh, in those times, like a celebrity. And, um, that, that same propaganda, that same deception continued once he was in power as a dictator, right with the, the final solution, as it was called by Nazi Germany, or it was basically a, a removal of these inferior people. And while there is some debate on the internet about like, how responsible, how knowledgeable were uh, the citizens of the countries at that time uh, with what was going on, uh, from what I read, and really for the purposes of what we're talking about here today today, uh, it's pretty clear that during that time there was an awareness but a lack of understanding of the breadth and depth of destruction that was being executed by this final solution or the Holocaust, right? So, and there was a culture created that not only would, would either minimize or maybe through ignorance and, and out of a desire to not know because they were afraid of the answer, right? They didn't speak up, no one did, and there was a, actually a culture of fear created, where no one was standing up saying this is wrong, right? A lot of the papers I read said they knew you could smell the smoke from the incinerators. Uh, there was an interview with a guy who drove the train out to the concentration camps, right? Who said, I, I, I had to be drunk to do my job. I hated my job, right? So there was definitely some awareness, but there was, there was this culture created where it, it just didn't wanna know, didn't wanna talk about the depth and the breadth of what was going on. And so really, Today, as we talk about digital sex and pornography, uh, and I was reading it and praying about what we, say, what we should say, this story jumped to mind because really what I want to submit to you, if you guys, uh, if students, leave with one thing, it's I hope you leave with an accurate and healthy understanding of what digital sex is. Digital sex is everywhere. It is dangerous and destructive. Uh, it is not a safe alternative. It's not something that we can joke about or that's like what's well, better than having real sex, but it's actually a very uh, dangerous weapon being used by the enemy uh, to, to rob us, to deceive us, and distract us. And so, quite frankly, digital se- sex, it's not safe. And when we say digital sex, we're talking about pornography uh, and sexting primarily. And we're going, to, we're going to spend the first part today talking about pornography, the dangers, how it's being used. And then we'll, we'll talk about sexting and then ultimately wrap up with a uh, discussion about how can we take action uh, to fight against what the enemy would use digital sex for uh, to work against us. So digital sex is not safe. I'll give you some statistics here. 90% and these, uh, the source of these, if you want later, I got them from Brett. And I, but they're actually, I got the source material. So These come from the Barna Group. These come from Covenant Eyes, uh, and there's a couple other studies um, where we pulled some of these statistics. Uh, so ninety percent, ninety percent of kids didn't say males or females. Says ninety percent of kids between eight and sixteen have viewed pornography. Seventy-nine percent of adults between eighteen and thirty. Uh, male adults have viewed view pornography once a month, at least once a month. 76% of females in that same age, age range view pornography once a month. 40% of divorces involve one of the partners having an addiction or an obsession with internet pornography. Uh, 56% of teenagers have sent a sexually suggestive or expli- like a sexting, whether it be a message or a picture or a post. And then the last one, 68% of divorces have involved a one of the, the couples or one of the spouses meeting and engaging with someone online through some kind of sexting or illicit website. And so I bring these stats up just because sometimes I think a lot of us, it, this isn't a topic that's talked about very openly. It's not one that's... Um, I don't know where we get this information from unless we're specifically Googling from it. So the first thing I wanted to share and try and maybe uh, unveil is that this is everywhere, right? It is. And and if if we're fortunate enough that in our circle, uh, we say, well, it doesn't touch our circle. Not my kids, not my friends, not their friends. Well, one, we're either deceived, right? uh, Because these groups, these aren't like they interviewed 10 people and made up a statistic, right? You could look at So we're either deceived or we're very fortunate, but there are definitely those that are around us. Uh, who are being touched by this. Uh, and it's very destructive. So with those last uh, three statistics about divorce, we know uh, we've all had experience, I'm sure with our teenagers, either personally or who have known someone who has had a post or a text, not even saying sexual one, get out of hand and create uh, uh, pain and destruction in their life. And then imagine how much more that is when the topic, something as, sen- as sensitive as sexuality. And of course, uh, divorce, right? in the statistics of the role that ultimately, pornography has had had a role in or played a, played a part in for our divorce. And so, as I was looking at this as, and I was preparing, I was talking about digital sex, it's not safe. <clears throat> Oftentimes, it, uh, the, the enemy has worked very much like Adolf Hitler and and, they, and and his propaganda machine did in World War II, right? To kind of minimize the privacy if that's a word, of the, the expanse of what was going on and the depth. Of depravity was going on. I believe strongly that the enemy has done the same with both with our students and even just with our culture in general to try and minimize our awareness of what's going on here. Really, digital sex. I, I'm thinking back to when I was in college, and even to be honest, in the workplace today, right? This pornography is viewed as like, "Oh, hey, check this out," you know, ha ha ha. Or you, you'll hear kids that'll joke about it. I, I mean, I won't go into too much detail, but I, I think anybody that's been exposed to it, um, it has a very unhealthy. A uh, perspective, or very minimized perspective, when you really think about what it's what it does to us as individuals and in a society, and that's really what I wanted to dig into today is 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 what it really does, what those impacts are to us personally and to our society. So the first one is we're digging in here to digital sex uh, and talk about what it does to the individual. All right. So uh, the Lord, every time I study uh, like science or nature, I don't know about you guys, but I get really, I mean, it draws me to worship. You know, you look at the universe and the expanse and how, man, to get to our nearest planet would take however many years at the fastest we could possibly throw a spaceship into space, right? And, and, and you start to look at photosynthesis and the way sunlight and carbon dioxide hit the leaf and it produces food for a plant that releases oxygen. And, and you're like, wow. Or you look at the fact that the depths of the sea far exceed the heights of our atmosphere. And I don't know if you guys ever looked at that, but if you look at a map at like the deepest parts of the ocean versus when we get into outer space, you start to look at God's creation and be like, wow, you know, he is a creative God and a God of order. Uh, If you dive into our brains, it's the same thing, right? Many of you may know this, but the way our brains work, they communicate with chemicals. Uh, There's a variety of chemicals that help us with uh, fight or flight for survival. They help us recognize that we're hungry. They help us uh, desire things, have cravings, emotions. One of these chemicals is dopamine. Dopamine is a very powerful chemical. It's, respon- it's responsible for creating that sense of pleasure, right? And high amounts of dopamine actually create that feeling of ecstasy or euphoria, right? So a lot of drugs and certainly sex really creates a production of that chemical which in our brain creates that feeling of of euphoria or ecstasy. And so science tells us that when when we as humans are engaged in sexual activity or uh, just sexually aroused, right? So not even engaged in that, that high amounts of this are produced. And when they're produced, they create this, uh, they're produced and they create a bond. It's a cognitive and an emotional bond. So it's a mental bond with the source of that arousal or the source of that activity. And this is actually great. It's laying down memories and a connection with the source of that. And so if you think about it, if we go back to Brett's talk last week about the why behind sex, sex is this nuclear gift from God, nuclear in the positive sense, that is strong enough to draw a a child from their family who has spent nine months in the womb and then it was cared for and then taught all the way up through adolescence into young adulthood. And then they leave all of that behind to go join some other girl or guy and start their own family. And they leave and they cleave and the Bible said this is good and this is what's supposed to happen. And that sex is meant to be used to be that ultimate, as Brett said last week, ultimate intimacy between a man and a woman in an eternal bond. Though the, When this act of, of sex or when, when you engage in sex or the sexual arousal creates this dopamine this dopamine starts laying down memories creating a bond an emotional and cognitive bond and when that's focused at your spouse man you see God's perfect design he's the master engineer it's it's amazing all right so as you meet you get to know your wife in a marriage relationship the sexual interactions you have then just draw you closer to her in a way that's not just a knowledge way but it's an emotional way it's a deep Connection there, so you could see for healthy marriages, the way God's designed our bodies to respond to sex is much more than the pleasure that it gives, but it's actually creating that bond. Quite honestly, that allows the through sickness and health for better and worse. Right, it, it creates a connection. However, when we engage or students with whoever when you, when a human engages in pornography, right, they're sexually aroused. There may even be sexual activity there. The body responds in the same way. The same chemicals are produced. However, that bond, that cognitive and emotional bond, that attachment, it's made with the object on the screen or on the stage or wherever this pornography is taking place, right? And so then we know that the way this works, which in a marriage is good, but outside of marriage is bad, It's as you do repeat behavior, then you need more and more to get to the same effect. And right with your wife or husband, that would be great, right? That's actually a very good design. It's like, hey, we want to grow deeper and 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 stronger with you. But when it comes to pornography, then that desire to look for the new way to get the feeling, to get the new high, right, leads to deeper and deeper forms of depravity because the enemy is all in this world of pornography, kind of distorting and manipulating this view of the way God designed sexuality. And so what we know, absolutely, is that when you, when this behavior happens, right, then that pattern is formed with the pornography. It creates, it literally uh, rewires your brain, um, much like this a worn path. And it rewires your brain. And what studies show is it's, it creates a selfishness, a viewing of humans as objects to provide pleasure, not as souls, not as people. And so, course, as human beings, that should be startling. But as those who are following Jesus and attempting to be his light in the world, right, that's a a very dangerous thing. It's the viewing of humans as objects that leads to things like oppression and abuse and slavery. And so, so the the first point when I I wanted to use to support that this digital sex is very dangerous and we, and it's something we should stay, stay far away from and fight against is that it literally rewires your brain and it rewires it in the wrong way. Now, talking with students on Wednesday, say if you are currently—if you're hearing this for the first time—and you're currently uh, deeply in the in the trenches of pornography, and, and you're seeing this path, and you're saying, "I've ruined it. I'm done." <clears throat> there is hope, because it's not a permanent. It's just a lasting rewiring of your brain, and God is the great healer, right? And it doesn't happen instantly, uh, but God can heal, and He does restore. And that's part of what we're going to talk about at the end of the day when we talk to the action. But, but if we continue in this use of digital sex pornography, we know scientifically uh, that it changes the way we view humans. That it changes we act. It literally is rewiring our brain. All right, so the first one is the brain and what it does to us personally. But maybe you're someone that says, yeah, that's everyone else. That's not me again. Talking to students here. That's, that's everyone else. That's not me. Or that'll never happen to me. Or, you know, I, I could, I'll just stay on the edges here. That's fine. And I'll, I'll, um, I'll be able to stop from going all the way in the deep end. Or I can stop whenever I want, right? If, if you're thinking that, which wouldn't be a surprise because that's how the enemy works, he wants to minimize, say, this is not really that dangerous. I mean, he's been doing this since the Garden of Eden. You know, that apple really isn't that bad. But, but if, you're, if you're falling into it, I want to give you a second piece of information to help you see digital sex for what it is and that's what about others right, pornography would have us think uh that that it's like oh let's, let's, it's like making it to the nfl right if you think about it whether whatever form of pornography just uh, you might think of it's like man you that's a movie star they made it right just like um Somebody gets picked in the draft like, awesome, now I get to play football every day and get paid for it. And it's like, man, you've made it, right? And so that would be what the porn industry would have you think is that these people are very happy to be in these pictures or these videos or these jobs. But the reality is, is most, if not all, of the pornography that is created out there is created either under conscious or unconscious oppression, Right, there's a there's a group that is fighting against pornography called F, F-T, Fight the New Gr- Drug, FTND. Uh, and they had in a study that said 48% of women, they interviewed some thousand women or whatever, said 48% of them said that pornography was made uh, while they were in prostitution. right? And so uh, there, here's a quote. This was from the, I believe this was the Barna Group. Um, that's a little hard to read. Let me read it for you here. Uh, this was from a doctor who had done a study, a lot of interviews with people. Uh, Um, folks who are in the pornography industry said, the experience I find most common among the performers is that they have to be drunk, high, or disassociated in order to go to work. Their work environment is particularly toxic. The terrible work life of the pornography performers often followed by an equally terrible home life. That was Dr. Mary Ann Layden. Um, And so as you look at, Maybe outside of yourself, right? Again, if you can just remove, say, oh no, my brain's invincible, it won't happen. Pornography is, I'd go as far as to say 100%, but people by, who are either actually physically being oppressed, enslaved, human trafficking, uh, right? Whether it be, or through drug addiction, some way they have been enslaved, uh, or they're unconsciously, being enslaved to do that. They, they've, they've, been, they've had something in their past, they've been distorted, uh, view of reality, and then someone is preying on that and taking advantage of that to use them to then drive uh, their products and, and the, the things that they do here. And so one of the, one of the tools that I want to put out for uh, anybody who is tempted with pornography, and, I, and I'll be honest, if you're a guy, that's Everybody. It's everybody. You can't look at a newsfeed on your phone without some ad there that's got some suggestive picture, right? I was showing this to Amy the other day. I was like, look, you just, you go here and it's, it's everywhere. I mean, there's all these things. And imagine uh, if you're um, a teenage boy with hormones, right? Imagine if you're a teenage boy with hormones with no guidance about what sex is to be, how it was designed and what it's to be used for and how easily, and sure, look, one click here. Now look, look at all these. And none of this is technically pornography, but it is... Uh, suggestive material, and then it could very quickly pull you down there. I mean, billions is being spent to try and subvertly uh, lure teens and adults alike into this world of pornography. And so one of the powerful tools, I know I personally use, every time I feel like I might be getting tempted or, or what it is, man, think about the other side of whatever that link is or whatever that that uh, picture would be, right? It's someone uh, being oppressed either consciously or unconsciously, uh, and it can really kind of flip that perspective of the glamour to know it's actually um, a, a terrible uh, atrocity in our in our culture. But let's take a look. I uh, want to jump in. don't want to just do uh, stats. If you would, turn in your Bible with me if you have it here or your u you version to matthew twenty five um, the last time I um, had the opportunity to speak here use this verse in talking about um, reaching the least of these with the gospel in the uh, basic series. Uh, And talked about the first part, uh, and it just jumped right back out at me as I was thinking about uh, the topic here for today. Uh, So Matthew 25, turn so I can actually see this here, uh, 36. All right, bear with me. It's a longer passage, but I really want to soak this in in some scriptures. I want you to see both sides of what Jesus says here. Or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them Truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. All right, that was the part we talked about last time, but here's the part for today. Part two he says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me naked, and you did not clothe me sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison or did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And then, uh, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So, man, as I was digging into this, and I took the approach first of like, well, let's get stats. This should be informed by not opinions, but statistics. And then let's get some science behind there so that we could really just inform our students and ourselves about uh, the impact and how this is working. Uh, As I got to this part on what's really behind the porn industry, right? It just jumped. I mean, these are the least of these. They're absolute the least of these. And, and I think God is pretty clear. Uh, <laughs> and we, we know this. He calls us not to be oppressors. And actually, I think most of us, all of our youth would say, yeah, I, I hate slavery. I would hate oppression, hate people being taken advantage of. But I don't know how many people make a connection of digital sex, in particular pornography, and those things, and there absolutely is a connection there. And that's something I want to want to press and, and unveil on Wednesday night for our teenagers as a tool to help them see it for what it is and resist the temptation and move away from it. So digital sex is not safe. We talked about what it does to our brain and how it takes something that God designed to make marriages strong and bring us joy in our marriages. We've talked about um, how it takes that and it twists it. And we've talked about how it will take... Uh, the world, and take our desire f- for this sexual experience, uh, and then it actually uses that and oppresses people and enslaves people uh, to be able to produce these experiences, these products. Um, wanna, before we get into really the challenges or how we can apply this, want to talk briefly about uh, sexting, right? Here in the, you know, pornography has been around for centuries, right? Uh, sexting, really, just since the advent of texting, and uh, But it's, it's been around, and it's very present. I, I can tell you personally, all right, I've got a sixth and an eighth grader, and I know uh, that this stuff goes on uh, in their ages. So I don't know about what you, what you guys hear, but I, I do know for a fact that it, that it happens. Uh, and so the comment I'm going to make uh, Wednesday about sexting is that sexting is not safe either. It's digital uh, digital sex, and it's not safe. All right, it may not have the issues with the oppression, Right, it's one to one or one to two. Right, it's, it's like no, that, that person that I'm engaged in sexing with is not being enslaved, but what it absolutely does is it has the same effects of rewiring our brain, our brain using that that way God designed us to be in a strengthen an eternal bond with our spouse and activating that in a way it shouldn't be used with someone who's not our spouse, uh, and it's also not victimless. Right, we all probably as parents of teenagers know. Um, and I don't mean to laugh at that, but just like, of course, we, we all know of instances where a text or some kind of social media has gotten out and it's create pain and destruction uh, with our families uh, in, our, in our, sorry, in our kids uh, group or even our own family, to be honest with you. And then when we get to the sensitive nature of sexuality, that that, se- that sex picture image where that's sent out is not safe on the other end. Right? It's not, it's, we know that, and it may not seem that way to our youth at times, but it's not, so it's not victimless. Uh, great pain can be inflicted uh, if those things are used inappropriately, so I really want to challenge our youth that to not view sexting as a safe alternative to having sex, not view it as something playful that's, it's digital, there's nothing bad about it, but to see it as it's really personal pornography uh, that is either going to lead you in more closer to actually engaging in sexual activity outside of marriage, or it's going to lead you into a more regular use of pornography or it's gonna do both. But there's no, there's no other end, right? There's either stopping or it's one of those, those three scenarios and challenge them to see it for what it is. All right, so I wanna, as we wrap here, I wanted to hit one more verse. Uh, if you guys would turn with me to Matthew 5. Um, so I wanna take a step back. So Matthew 5 is uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> in this talk, he's talking about, you know, they had the Ten Commandments that said, Y'all, thou shalt not murder. And now here he, he's giving a sermon saying, all right, it says don't murder, but I'm saying if you call someone, you idiot, you've murdered them in their heart. And, you know, he's trying to trying to teach the Israelites at that time, the Jewish people, and us still to this day, that it, uh, it's not legalistic about the act. The act does matter, right? If you kill somebody, <laughs> but you had love in your heart for him, but somehow you killed him. It matters, the act matters, but the heart matters too. So just because you didn't kill somebody, if you wish you could have, he's saying That's, that matters. That he's, he's like, it's the same as murdering him from his perspective. And in particular here uh, in verse 5, 27, he, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, so the, the, the big picture, if we step back, is not digital sex, pornography, and sexting. right? That, that is a big issue. But the root with which digital sex could not exist, certainly not even to a fraction of where it does today, is lust. And so Wednesday, I'm really gonna challenge our students, but challenge all of us, right? It doesn't go away once you get married, right? But challenge all of us to battle lust, right? Lust is mental sex, right? It's it's desiring uh, another woman, another man, another experience outside of the commitment of your marriage and the way God designed sex to happen. And if we're all being honest, we've all struggled with it. Uh, And if we ever think we're totally uh, safe from it, uh, we're we're deceived. And and I'll say it because God has created this thing that is so powerful, arguably one of the most powerful things in our biology, right? And so, of course, the enemy is never going to just forfeit that and say, I'm never going to go and try and attack and use that great, powerful thing of good that God created and try and use it for destruction and evil. And so We're always susceptible, but I want to be talking with our students about really attacking and declaring war on lust, which gets at the heart, which is behind all of these behaviors and really all that will be talked about uh, throughout the series. Uh, And so with that, really three challenges. The first one, if I didn't run out of batteries here, uh, is to see digital sex for what it is. So... This is really a retraining of the mind and it's kind of, it's standing, it's going against culture or the norms of how pornography and digital sex would be viewed and really seeing it for what it is. One of the, uh, the analogies that, um, that jumped to mind for me was drugs. Let's pick heroin, right? We don't have a big heroin problem with our students or really across teenagers in general if you look at the statistics, Right? Heroin, we know, is a very addictive drug. It's very deadly. It, can destroy, it, it destroys your, your body, affects your mind. It hurts your body. We also know it can drain your bank account, destroy relationships and those around you. We know that people are hurt and killed and oppressed in the production and delivery and sale of heroin. Right? But yet we don't have this, this issue. Uh, like, I don't worry about my kids becoming addicted to heroin or, or some other drug. Right, we've talked about it a lot. It's talked about it in school, and I know. And I could ask my question, my kids, these three questions: uh, How how are you confident that you're not going to start using uh, drugs? Right, my daughter, son say, "Well, because I know they're terrible for me, and, and I'm just not going to do it. I'm just never going to cross that line because I know once you do, they're addictive." Right, the schools have done a great job of educating, and us as parents, right, we talk about it as well. Said, so, "All right, well, what <clears throat> would you do if you knew that?" heroin, just, it was being used at a place where you're going. You guys were going camping or something. What would you, what would you do? I, kids, I'm sure, would say, Hope would say, well, I would not go. I would not want to be there. I wouldn't want to be around that. It's dangerous. I'd say, what would you do if a good friend of yours uh, you knew was addicted to that? Right? Well, I would talk to them about it. I would try, I'd ask them to get help. And so I, I think part of this seeing digital sex for what it is is just that. Going back to the analogy earlier, the Germans in the World War II area under Nazi Germany, there was 6 billion people being tortured, experimented, and then uh, systematically executed for the purpose of extinction. Right, it, That's what was being done there, yet the nation there was not aware. What, <laughs> there was a culture there that did not talk about it, enjoyed the ignorance about it. And, and so the challenge really is to see it for what it is, and to be not just see it, but be a light. Like we're called to be as followers of Jesus, with your friends and help them to see it for what it is. Don't just privately object to it, right? Talk to your friends, and I'm not saying go out there and start throwing Bibles at people in the fore and hit them in the forehead, uh, but certainly to take a stand in the way that's most effective, most appropriate uh, for the situation. Uh, the second one uh, is to address the medium. So personally, as you battle, in, maybe future or current challenges with, uh, with sexting or with pornography is to be intentional about, well, wh- where do you get attacked? Where does the enemy come in to try and use this to rob and, st- and steal the joy that the Lord has for you, for you, right? Is it when you're upset? Is it always via the phone? Is it your computer? Is it in your room? Look for the triggers, look for the mediums. And be intentional about ways that you can either remove those so the temptation is not there. You can identify those so that when you see them, you could do like Joseph did uh, when Pharaoh's wife was trying to have sex with him. He literally ran, fled, leaving his robe in her hands, and ultimately was thrown in jail for it. Brett's going to talk about that more, I think, next week. But he literally, when he saw that, he ran, right? Because he knew how important it was that, uh, that he not fall to that temptation. And the last one was going to be to talk. Um, To talk about this, whether it's, uh, there's accountability partners, adults in their life group, right? The greatest thing the enemy would have done, and I think why this is, is so broad, uh, and and it's so destructive. But the reason it's so broad, uh, but yet not talked, it's, it's not talked about commonly. It's, I mean, I started thinking, what I was talking about with Amy, I was like, you know, I think it'd be easier, I mean, for me personally, I think it might be easier, and, and for someone in general to say, man, I'm an alcoholic, or I um, have a gambling problem, than it would be to say, um, I have a pornography problem. That's just a society thing. I mean, we know as Christians, God covers all sins, right? And and But I think because of the way the enemy has manipulated this, it's something that's not spoken about, and so if someone is struggling, especially our, our students, there's not... a a place nearly as common to say, hey, I need help with this. And I want to challenge them. if you do, that every one of the life group leaders here is very excited about this series and wants to engage with students to help them uh, see sex the way God designed it and to navigate through these years in a way that allows them uh, to honor God through the way they deal with these issues of sexuality. And so I want to challenge them to talk about it. uh, Whereas last week it was talk about it with uh, with your friends and with another mate. This one, you could talk about with that, but you could also talk about it with a life group leader who could maybe connect you with some resources. Uh, some I personally know of, there's X3.org, there is Covenant Eyes, there's Triple H Church, there's a lot of organizations out there, uh, much like the Allied Army, to go back to the uh, uh, initial uh, example, that are trying to take a stand uh, against pornography in the industry and to, and to remove it and they have apps for your phone, apps for your computer, information. There's a lot of resources out there. Uh, and Brett has equipped a lot of life group leaders with it and make up those available to you. But asking students to not hide in the shadows and struggle with this privately, if this is something they struggle with, but to, to get help. And then the last one I want to challenge students with is to talk to the Lord. So we talked about this, that lust is at the root of all of this, right? We have this, God given desire for uh, God, God designed, God planted desire. Right, to be attracted, and then when we engage in sexual activity with our partner, it creates this strong bond, and it's it's this powerful design of the Lord. Yet from that, the enemy has created lust, and lust is equally powerful to a um, to in a negative connotation. And so, God is the changer of hearts. Right, we can't just white knuckle it and just. Say I'm not going to do that anymore. Or whatever way you might deal with it, God only God changes hearts and minds. And so, encourage to talk with an adult because God does speak through accountability partners and through mentors. But also uh, challenge you to be intentional about speaking to the Lord about where you're struggling with lust and asking Him to protect your mind, to protect your heart, and help you see clearly when when you're falling victim to lust and into this, the lies of pornography. Uh, that our society would put out there and to help you be able to navigate through that. And really, the the challenge, the the, the opportunity, is if we could get just starting with that collide room, that's some two, three, however many hundred people it is that are in there, right? If we can start right now getting students to see digital sex and pornography for what it is, maybe it's just a dozen or so now, but those kind of things, they they catch fire. Uh, And so that's certainly something me praying for and hope that it will begin from Wednesday night, is we don't let this pornography become our generation's holocaust, where it's like maybe it wasn't a genocide and murder, and I'm not at all trying to minimize how terrible that was, but if you look at the expanse of pornography and digital sex, and what its ultimate impact is on the individual, on the folks in the industry being used to produce it, and and what it does to marriages, and the way we interact with people years down the road, uh, I would say it, it, that this could be our Holocaust or equivalent thereof, and, and going to just challenge our students to begin uh, to see for what it is and, and stand up.